Amen. Good morning. How are we doing today? Are we good? I said, are we good? Awesome. Look at you looking all refreshed with an extra hour of sleep. I forgot. I forgot it was daylight savings. And I chopped in my car to get to church and it said um, 7.50. Normally it would say 6.50 for me. And I had a little bit of a freak out moment. And then I realized God's still on the throne and Steve Jobs did his job and it woke me up still. So thank you, Steve, wherever you might be. Um, and we're here. We're here to have church today. It's going to be a good day. Can we welcome the Plaza location? Come on, everybody. I love you. We all love you. One big family. Everybody online, awesome to have you tuning in today, especially our brothers at Lansing Correctional. We love you. You're awesome. We believe in your future. And we're here for you. I had the huge privilege of speaking recently at the Max side of the prison. And we had some church. Awesome team leader of that right over here. We had some church. It was beautiful. Several, I think about 15 guys gave their hearts to Jesus that night. Come on. Let's glorify God. It's beautiful. And I'm just going to throw this out there. If you've never, um, if you want to ever join us on a Sunday morning to make church a reality at Lansing, uh, you can do it once. You can do it once a month, whatever. You got to go. You want to come with us sometime when we do the Thursday nights at the Max side? We're, trying, we're doing that once a month now. Uh, we would love to have you, and nothing will get you more fired up for being in on what God is doing than serving people at Lansing. It's awesome. So Lansing, we love you. And one last shout out. It is my dad's birthday today. So hi, Mom and Dad. We love you. Thank you, Dad, for being an awesome man of God. We as a church would not be here without you. Go ahead and grab your seats. Grab your seat. Hey, Kingdom Come kicks off next weekend, and uh, it's the beginning of a season of radical generosity, radical obedience, so we can see God's amazing hand move in a new place in our city. Uh, south location, that building is already a miracle that we even own that space. Now we have the opportunity to build it out. And so if you're new to the church and maybe haven't been in a while, hey, next week we kick off a season of sacrifice, of generosity, uh, so that we can see more lives forever changed. I'm just going to say this. There's no pressure to give. We're just going to give you the opportunity. But I want you to really pray through it. We believe every good thing that God does always starts in prayer. So I'm asking and inviting you to join Liz and I, join the team, as just praying this week, not just for your part to play, but pray that all of God's provision will show up. How many know we have a Jehovah Jireh more than enough God? And so when we call upon his name, watch and see the miracles that are in motion to make this God dream become a reality that's going to see thousands upon thousands of lives forever change. A brand new and even bigger house of hope to be a complement to what we're doing here up north. We get to do down south to see generations forever change. This is the biggest thing we've done since the launch of this church 12 years ago. The biggest thing, and I don't know about you, I want to be on the big things. I want to be on the front foot of what we believe God is doing in the future of our city. Amen? And one last little thought that will segue perfectly into the message today. Uh, it's election season this Tuesday. Go to the polls and vote. You need to pray. You need to vote. Do not complain if you do not vote. And we're going to vote. But I, I, I want to segue with this thought. I always, I always get frustrated when everyone's talking about the problems and never give a plan. My only one is like, it's always the issues, but we're not bringing up the solutions. And I realize that is a great way to get some traction in the political realm, is to point out all the problems. But how many know, even in your own life, even in your own faith journey, even in maybe your own marriage or family, it's easy to point out the problems. 
it's more difficult to be in on the solution. But to every problem, there is a solution. To every storm, there is a peace. To every issue you might be facing, God will actually use it to strengthen you. It's truly how you see it that matters. The struggles of life, the difficulties you're facing are actually there to develop your faith. It's really not what you're looking at, it's how you see it. And I do believe that there is a unbelievable, incredible gift that God gives us to choose. This is actually probably the second most beneficial thing in your life right now. Uh, the first one would be the grace of God. How many know we didn't earn it, could, didn't deserve it, but we freely receive it. You woke up today, that first breath of air is a reminder, God's grace to you to be alive today. The second thing though is one you also get to choose, and it's the power of your perspective. How are you going to see the issues, the world, your family, your future, how are you going to perceive and see the things that are in front of you? Because perspective determines whether you fail or succeed, whether your life grows in your faith or whether you remain stagnant. It determines your purpose. It shows the potential of your God. Are you seeing every problem is bigger than your God? Just because it's bigger than you doesn't mean it's bigger than him. In fact, nothing is bigger or greater than your God. How you see God, that's a perspective. How you see yourself should be framed by the way that God sees you. How you see your career, how you see the economy. There's a God perspective for every difficulty or issue in this world. Another word we could use for perspective is vision. Do you have a vision that includes God's power, God's grace, and God's plan? Or is it only focused on the problem? And if you've been seeing cloudy lately, we're gonna clear it up today because you need some more vision in your life to move forward to the future. Is it just your problems or does God have a plan? I wanna talk today about uh, the value of your vision. Your vision's more valuable than you know. The way you see things, more valuable than you know. It could be uh, the limiting factor of your yesterday that's got you here today, but it could be the breakthrough potential that you need when you begin to address your perspective from a God viewpoint. We're gonna get our vision back. We're gonna clear it up today. No more confusion when it comes to your life, your family, your career. You're going to see God's best in the future, and you're gonna to walk towards it, and it's gonna be better than you could even dream. Do you believe that today? Can we pray and welcome God's perspective into our heart today as we look through the scripture? Father God, we love you. I thank you for those on the plaza, those online, the men of Lansing, us here in the north. God, I thank you that you're giving us a God vision for our future, not just as a church, no, but as every individual family, every husband, every wife, every single person in our church, every mom, every dad, we begin to see our world, not through the problems, but through your solution. We would begin to get a God vision that you are greater than any difficulty or trial, and you're the God that's with us. You've graced us for today, but would you grow us? by your word. Holy Spirit, speak to every open ear and heart exactly what they need from you. And God, we're here relying on you. We need you to move forward in our lives today in the mighty name of Jesus. Can I get an amen? Amen, amen. amen, amen. Do you see it cloudy? There's value. There's unbelievable value in your vision. The enemy cannot steal your soul once you've surrendered it to Jesus, but he can stop you through limiting your perspective. 
when all you see is the way that it's always been, when all you can see is the problem that's before you, when all you can see is the giant, when all you can see is the Jericho, you will be limited in your ability to move forward and the enemy will steal your destiny because he makes designs to bring fear when instead we should have a perspective of faith. In fact, the Bible tells us there's a direct connection between seeing and believing. The faith and perspective are very closely related. Hebrews chapter 11, one, faith is the evidence that we have of things that we cannot see. All of us here that are believers today, we, we were not there at Calvary's cross. We did not see Jesus's death, nor did we see the empty tomb. We have a faith in that message. We have a faith in the gospel that has set us free eternally. We didn't see it but we believe it and we anchor our hope for all of our lives to something we didn't see. So if you don't think you're a person of faith, I disagree with you, you have faith. You got big faith. Even the smallest mustard seed of faith, Jesus says, can move mountains. And yet, although we'll believe something that, was, that happened 2,000 years ago, the completion of the cross, sometimes we cannot see how God's gonna get us to the next week. Why, we have a, a vision problem. We, we've, we've allowed the, the detriment and, and the, the design of the enemy, uh, or maybe the delinquency of yesterday's bad decisions to cloud our perspective of our God-given future. Because the truth is, we can see things from just a physical viewpoint, therefore it's up to our own effort, our circumstances to get us forward, or we can begin to see things from a spiritual vantage point. And the spiritual vantage point almost always will look a whole lot different than the natural. It's supernatural. Proverbs 29 says if the people can't see what God is doing, they stumble over themselves. But when they attend, when they tune in, when they see what he reveals, they are most blessed. How many would like a little most blessed in their life? Not just a kind of blessed, but a most blessed. And it says when you can see what God is doing. One translation says when the people don't have a vision, a God vision, they perish. They cast off restraint. One translation says when they don't have prophetic insight or prophetic perspective. And that doesn't mean that a prophet gave you something that, that God saw in your future. No, a prophetic insight literally means the, the, the thing God wants to do in your life. When you don't have any viewpoint of what God could do or wants to do in your life, you're going to stumble around. You're going to miss out on that most blessed life. Generally, you, you can look at things through two lenses. In fact, these are the majority lenses that we see life through. The first one is fear, and that is the culture of this world, and sadly, it's the culture of many of our lives. We see things from a limited perspective of fear because we think we fight all our own battles. We think that we make everything happen in our own lives. And all that we see is maybe what we've seen in our yesterday, and we can't imagine how it could be any better in our future. But then there's another lens. And this is the lens that every believer has access to, and that's the lens of faith. That we start seeing through the perspective, the vision of what God could do in our future. This is making big of your God, which therefore makes your big problems real small. And if you never make big of your God by seeing things through the perspective of faith, you'll always only have the fruit of your own labor. Now you need to labor, you need to work, you need to bring your best to God. The Bible says he blesses the work of your hand. He said it'll cause your work to be fruitful. 
So you can't just say, oh, I have a God vision and never get to work. But many of us are working and toiling without seeing things through the lens of faith. And this is a choice. How do you look at your family? Is your family just gonna be maybe a little bit better than your family of origin? Or are you gonna believe for God's best in your family? In your marriage, do you just say, oh, I'm just gonna make it through another month? I'm gonna make it through another year? It's just gonna be another season of staying married. Or are we gonna be fruitful in our marriages because we're seeing things through the perspective and the lens of heaven? And in Numbers 13 and 14, uh, a passage of scripture we probably touch on maybe two, three times a year because it is the best story that shows us the power of perspective. And if perspective is one of the biggest parts of our faith journey, then we might need to go to the story that shows us so clearly how much breakthrough and blessing can happen with the lens of faith and how much baggage and breakdown can happen when we see through the eyes of fear. This is a story how a whole generation missed out on God's best. It was already theirs, but they couldn't see past the problems. And only two families out of tens of thousands of families got in on what God is doing because they kept the perspective of faith. And friends, this is why your vision is so valuable. This is why getting a God perspective is so important that you don't just look naturally, but you begin by supernatural faith, begin to perceive what God could do. I mean, think about it. A million people missed out because they saw it from the wrong perspective. Moses on the edge of the promised land. After a two-year journey out of Egypt, they find themselves finally about ready to step foot on the promised place of God. And so he sends out 12 spies, one young guy, one leader from each family to go and look, out the, and look over the land. And this was an important message. A mission. They were not just like looking for a new house or like shopping for a new car. This was like the place where God would fulfill his plan for the changes all of eternity. This was their forever home, the promised land, that through this, them owning this opportunity, listen, there would come the Messiah. That we're here today because finally Joshua and Caleb said, no, we're able, God is able, we're gonna go into the land. This was a big move. And yet, a million people, all but two families, missed out on everything. I don't know about you, but I want to be one of the two families. When everyone else is seeing fear, I want to build a church that sees faith. And so the spies, they come back, and 10 of them, they say, hey, there's a, God wasn't lying. This is a great land. But, but there's problems. There's potential battles and, and pain. And, and they couldn't see past that because fear was their focus. And yet there was two, Joshua and Caleb. They saw the same problems. They saw the same strong people. They saw the walls of Jericho. They also saw the potential. And they chose a perspective, a vision of faith. My heart for you today is that you would get your perspective of faith back. And maybe for some of you, it's the first time in your lineage that you ever begin to look at the future with an anticipation of God's goodness showing up. Because listen, Joshua and Caleb still acknowledged the problems, that there were people already living in the promised land, that there were some battles they were going to have to fight, but they didn't allow that to overshadow their promise-keeping God. This is why your vision has so much value, because it isn't based upon your own ability. 
It's based upon God's supernatural strength to make do good on his word and bring do everything he desires to, 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 to build and to grow in your life. A faith perspective. Numbers chapter 13. Moses gave these men instructions and sent them out to explore the new land. He said, go northward towards the Negev into the hill country and see what kind of land this is and find out whether the people living there, are they strong or are they weak? Is there few or are there many? What kind of land do they live in? Is it good or bad? Do their towns have walls or are they unprotected? How's the soil? Is it fertile? Is it, is it poor? Are there many trees? But then he says this, I know you're going to look to something you haven't seen, but only God has promised, but he says, enter the land boldly. Moses said, you need to walk in with your shoulders back and bring us back some samples of the crops you see. I love that. We might not know where we're going, but where we're walking in, we're believing it's a promised place of God. I don't know what that looks like for your life, for you to enter in boldly, but I believe it has a lot to do with your perspective because when you see the goodness of God, and honestly, if you've seen it in your yesterday, you can see it in your future. How many would say there's something about their yesterday where they have seen the goodness of God? Come on, that's not a rhetorical question. Why don't we clap our hands? Why don't we lift our hands up for a moment? How many of you have seen the goodness of God sometime in your life? Now, what is it about your tomorrow that makes you forget your yesterday? They were two years removed from the defeat at the Red Sea of the greatest army in the world at that time. Two years removed. Two years since God delivered them, and they didn't have to raise a sword. All they raised was one staff, and God did the rest. But it's amazing what you can forget about in two years. We're two plus years out of a pandemic. For some people, it brought major problems. For some people, minor inconvenience. But for all of us, there was a time we could easily have grabbed a hold of fear. People have been pulled out of church. Families have been fighting over issues and struggles. And there's been all sorts of delinquencies for the last two years. And I wonder what the enemy has tried to cloud out the God-spoken promise of destiny in your life these last two years. But the same God that still got you here today in church this morning is the God that will get you into your forever promise of the thing he has prepared for you. How do you want to see it? Do you want to see the way that it's always been? Or do you want to lean in with a perspective of what could be? What could happen in my future? Enter the land boldly. So Moses sends the 12 spies in and they do a little walk around, a little sneak and peek. And they'll get some samples. Shout out me if you got the Costco card just for the free samples. <laughs> but they want you to see it. Moses wants to see it. And that's, the truth is, science even proves this. If people can get, it's a spiritual truth that science proves that before people can succeed in a goal, they have to be able to see a goal. That's why it's powerful to write your goals down. I'd write them down and attach a few scriptures, promises to those things. There, there, there's, there's power even in our imagination. There's power to both open you up to the opportunity of what could happen or close you down because of what, what potentially negative thing could happen. Visualization and imagination are great because it gives you motivation. And motivation will give you the energy when you're motivated towards something because you can perceive maybe this could happen. I'm gonna believe that could happen. You have a greater chance of accomplishing that goal. And that's just naturally speaking through science. How much more so through supernatural grace that when we begin to get a picture of what our marriage could look like, a picture of what our career could be, 
a picture of the raising of our kids. I know they might be wayward right now, but you're picturing that prodigal son return back to God's plan and God's purpose for life. When you can grab a hold of a perspective or a vision, it just gives you the energy to keep going towards what God designed and desires for you. Because if you could see it in your life, you can normally step into it in your life. And if you cannot see it in your life, you normally cannot succeed at it in your life. If you can't see yourself healthy, you'll probably never be healthy. If you can't see yourself prospering in your life, your marriage, your career, you're probably never gonna prosper in those areas. God uses the power of imagination to move our life forward of what could be possible by not your own strength, but by his mighty hand in your future. So here's what happened, they spied out the land. It says they went all the way up the wilderness of Hebron and they saw other people there. And these other people to them presented a problem. Like this is our land and the people are like, no, we already live here. And they said some of them were the descendants of Anak and they go deep into that. And we've all been told, and you probably grew up with this in your Sunday school Bible class, those that grew up in church, that there were all giants in the land. But that's not the reality, it's not even what they say. They say there are some descendants of large people there, but not everyone is a giant. In fact, um, we think about Goliath when we think about giants, but that's 300 years from now. And that was one family of one group of people, the Philistines, that had mega giants. What they're talking about, um, anthropologists would say, are people that are about five inches taller than them. Because these had been, the Hebrew people had been in slavery for 400 years. They had been in lack for 400 years. And they hadn't grown real big for 400 years. While these people have been living in the place with the milk and honey. And they had grown a little bigger. They were not all giants of seven feet, eight feet tall. They were six feet, which I feel like is a great size to be. <laughs> six feet when I get my hair up just right, done did. They were a few inches bigger and a lot stronger. Why? They had a better diet. So we all have this perspective growing up even in church that there was a ton of massive people there. It wasn't true. And there weren't even a lot of fortified cities. In fact, we only read about one, Jericho, in Joshua's conquest story. But they come back with a report, everyone's big and everyone has a fortress. How many know that's just like the culture of the world right now? Everything's falling apart and life is gonna be horrible forever. The world is being torn in two and there's some places where that is true. But let me tell you about the Midwest right now. And let me tell you about, even if it was falling apart, let me tell you about your life right now. God will hold it together. No matter what's happening in the climate of the economy or the culture of the world, God knows what he's doing in your life. And yes, there's some battles to fight, but not everything is bigger than you. And with your God, nothing is greater than you. You can take every piece of territory that God wants to give you if you can grab a hold of a God perspective, if you can get the vision of faith. This is the value of your vision. It says they, they went and cut down clusters of grape and they were so large it took two men to carry it on a pole. There was pomegranates and figs. Um, I only take my figs in Newton form, but they had, the fruit was real. Like God, God wasn't playing. God wasn't lying. The fruit was fabulous. Yeah, they were a little bit bigger, but so was the harvest. How many know if you're not willing to fight a bigger fight, you're never gonna get a bigger blessing? 
If you're not willing to step out in bigger faith, you're never gonna have a bigger breakthrough. If you never contend for the more for your family, your family's not gonna have the more that you're fighting for. There's greater harvest, but there are some battles. God didn't lie. So they explored the land, verse 25, for 40 days. They returned to Moses, and the people were waiting for them. They reported to the whole community what they'd seen, and they showed them the harvest. They showed them the fruit they'd taken from the land. But the 10 spies didn't just see the fruit. They also saw the foe, and they saw it through fear. And only the two, Joshua and Caleb, had the fruit. They saw the fight, but they saw it through the perspective or the vision of faith. And a negative report was the majority report that the masses of people chose to believe. The quickest way to devalue your God vision is negativity. Negativity. And I realize there might be some negative factors in your life. There might be some negative factors in your career. But you have the ultimate positive sign in your life. In fact, the plus sign looks a lot like a cross. That the same God that sent his only son to the cross, the Bible says, even just for you, is not done with your life, with your livelihood, and your legacy. He is still wanting to add to your life. You've got something positive to say. Negativity, I think it kills creativity. That if you can't ever, you just think it's overwhelmingly hard, you can never even think of a natural solution, let alone pray and invite God for a spiritual or supernatural solution. Throughout your life, you're going to hear, listen, you're going to hear good news and bad news. How many know it's in the same newspaper, the same online report? There are good things and bad things. Like, jobs are up. Oh, the economy's bad. Oh, this is happening. Oh, but also that is happening. We, we see it right now. Things are good. Things are bad. It's everywhere that you go. And this is exactly what they get. They get a good report. God told the truth. This place is flowing with harvest and fruit. But they also get a bad report. Other oh, people are bigger than us. There's people in that place already. And if you live your life like a yo-yo Christian, by that you get up on a Sunday, worship's up. The, the message was encouraging. I saw some friends there. I, I, I saw one scripture, one point really hit my heart. I'm gonna own that this week, that's great. And then you leave outside these walls where honestly real world, real life, and real mission happen. And you're down to the culture around you of negativity. If you're constant living, spinning like that yo-yo up and down, you will never have any faith to move forward. This is why you've gotta take the message and, and, and get your own spiritual growth happening Monday through Saturday because you need to stay up at a God plane and a God perspective if you're ever going to see God results. At verse 27, this is the report to Moses. We arrived in the land that you sent us to. And indeed it is a what? A magnificent country. I love that word. I'm declaring that for your life, for the families of Kingdom City. It's magnificent in your future. It is indeed flowing with milk and honey. And here's some fruit as proof. But here comes the word that stops a thousand breakthroughs in your life. But. Man, it is good. God is doing something. I do believe it. But. There's this other problem. There's this other perspective. There's this other way to see the situation. 
the people living there, they say, are, are powerful, but their cities and towns are fortified and very large. But we also saw the descendants of Anak living there. There's some tall folk in that land. Uh, we believe the fruit is good and God didn't lie, but he didn't tell us about all these problems. I believe in for the breakthrough, but, but, but I have a Monday coming tomorrow. I'm believing for my, my marriage to thrive, but I, I can't seem to let go of that thing that was said yesterday. There's always a but. And the bigger the but, the more it shuts you down. I'm not gonna say what's your big but, because that would be wildly inappropriate. But I do wonder how many times you believe something good and then immediately canceled it out because you saw one part of it that could be bad. What's that one but that's stopping you from everything God, the magnificent country, the bountiful harvest, the blessing and the promise of God, but you can't get past that but. Negative, negativity, what does it breed? It breeds a scarcity mindset that there's not enough for everyone. I've gotta hold on to mine. I, I, I gotta make do with what, what I got. Um, I, I don't know what the future holds, so I better hold on to everything. I gotta take power into my own hands. I could never risk, because if I risked, I could fail. I could never obey in that area, because it, it, it might not work. It, it might cost me too, too much. I read a story this week of a New York City secretary from years ago. She lived in a tiny, with her husband, who was a teacher, a tiny rent-controlled apartment in New York. She served a super successful businessman. She worked for him. And they decided on her salary and her husband's teacher's salary, they just couldn't afford kids. It was not gonna be a part of their life story, so they never had kids. Her extended family was shocked that upon her death that she died with nine million in the bank. Girl had made a couple investments when she was young and just kept it there as her little safeguard. And how many know having kids is expensive? No amens there. You guys got it all figured out? I'm the only one? There's a cost. How many of you know the sacrifice, most of the time, is worth the cost? To have a legacy, to have a lineage, to have a generational blessing, it's worth it. But in their mindset, they could never touch that thing because they just had a scarcity mentality. Their money went to their niece, and she gave it to charity, and but it could have, the thing they probably wanted and desired, they never thought they could have, even though they had what all of us would consider enough money to raise, raise one kid, even in New York City. But they could never get past their perspective of themselves, even though they had more than enough. Why am I telling you this? Because I'm wondering what sort of God thing is on the future for you, that a scarcity mindset is eliminating you from even taking the first step into that promised place that God has for you. A scarcity mindset is, well, everybody else has enough and there's no more room for us. And that's what they begin to believe. The 10 spies had a scarcity mindset. They said there's guys living in the hills. The Hittites are over here. The, the Amorites are over there. The Canaanites are by the sea. They've already squeezed us out of the land. Where will we go? Where will we set up our tents? Where will we build a family? Not realizing that the next generation, the generation of faith, Joshua's generation would be used by God to drive all them out. And God would have done the same for them if they didn't have a negative mindset and a scarcity mindset. So I would say this to every parent in here. I'll say this to every young person that you don't have kids yet. 
Do not make the next generation seize ground you're supposed to step in. If you come from nothing, guess what? It's a great opportunity to step into more that God created. Why? Because we go from glory to glory and strength from strength. One generation tells the next the wonders of our God. And we want your kids, the kids of kingdom kids, to be able to tell the story of mom and dad sacrifice and surrender to the plan of God so we saw more heaven show up here on the earth and more blessing and bounty in our families as well. Do not wait for your kids to move into your future. You move into it now. I'm preaching better than y'all letting on today. It's their promised land, but they see it filled with people. You gotta be able to picture yourself there. There's people training for the Olympics right now, 2024, Paris. I mean, America, I'm already prophesying, we're gonna run the medal score up. I don't even care about the events, just give us golds, okay? <laughs> but someone's training right now, and I promise you, everyone that woke up today and trained for the Olympics that's two years away is thinking, there's a spot on the podium for me. I'm gonna make, I'm gonna make the final heat. Why? If they didn't think that, there's no way they're getting up today. In fact, it's Steve Jobs that says like, that, that, that a vision will, will, will pull you into your future. He says if you're passionate about something, you don't need to be pushed into it. Vision pulls you into it. I love that. I'll tell you, there's a, a, a few times in my life I needed to get a bigger vision. Because, man, I didn't want to get out of bed. Am I the only one? I, I didn't want to get my kids ready for school. I, I, I need a vision of their education. I need a vision for where we're going as a church. To get up and preach today, I need a vision that pulls me out of bed. I, I'm, I'm in anticipation at the end of service. Hands are gonna go up and say yes to Jesus. And that gives me a vision to keep going. We, as a church, we need a vision of not just a south location. We need a vision of revival in Kansas City. This is just one step into the promised land that we're contending for, something that God's been wanting to do generationally. And so if we could sit back and let the next generation do it, or we can do it ourselves. At what place has scarcity stolen your energy, your passion to pull you into your future? Even showing people over the years, uh, our buildings, the Plaza building originally, like walking in there, people, I'm like, hey, this is going to be a church. And people are like, wow, this looks like a death trap. <laughs> but guess what? We did it. And God's built a church up north. Here we are in this space. You don't know this, but where the kids are and everything we just walked through to get into this building right now, um, it was an office space. And all the walls were up and all the cubicles were there and all the chairs were in that place as well. Which, by the way, I still have one of those chairs. It's my office chair right now. Just remember the goodness of God every time I sit down to work. But I remember walking people through and I'm like, hey, this is going to be a foyer. This is going to be kid space. And most people that had been with us to the journey of the plaza could see it a little bit more. But there were a whole lot of people. In fact, I was even talking to one of the staff. He's like, man, when you showed me that north building, I was like, there's no way this is a church. How many know we have a thriving church right here, right now? Come on, let's honor God. And those that have been on the journey, those that have seen the south location, they get it now. Why? This is the way God works in us. Sometimes we don't see it, but when we believe it and when we own it, opportunity, and when we step in it, all of a sudden, what does it do? It enlarges our capacity to think a little bit bigger. And guess what? South location, that's the next thing and the biggest thing that we've ever done as a church. It's not the only thing. It's just the next step to see more of heaven show up here in Kansas City. And you have to be able to perceive it before you can step into it. They begin to, it says in verse 32, spread a bad report. Negativity is like toxicity. They spread a bad report about the land they had explored. Listen, 
Negativity is like an airborne disease. It comes out of your mouth and goes in someone's ear. It went out of someone else's mouth, out of their small perspective and their limited heart and it went in your ear. And before you know it, whether it was your father, your mother, a coworker, even a spouse, they said something negative and you believed it and you caught that virus and it's hard to break out of. In the same way though, getting a viewpoint of faith is also something airborne. The Bible says that faith speaks, that out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. And if all you got is a little bit of faith, begin to speak out that faith. Even if you only have enough faith for tomorrow, say, God, I thank you, today's the day that the Lord has made. I'm gonna be glad in this thing. I'm gonna bless your name today. I'm gonna give my best today. I'm gonna love people sacrificially today. Your grace is sufficient for today. You put one day after another like that, before you know it, you are walking in a new year and a new you, and the blessing and favor of God is following you and your family into the future. Why? There's something powerful about the words that we use. They begin to use outlandish words words to describe a few battles they would have to fight. Verse 32, the land we explored devours those living in it. They're exaggerating. It, it eats them up. The people there are all of great size. It wasn't true. It was a minority viewpoint, or a minority position in that land became the majority of negativity that stopped a million people from God's best. We seem like grasshoppers in their eyes, in our eyes and in theirs. No, you seem like grasshopper in your own eyes. Well, I, that's just the, the plot of life for me. It's never gonna get any better than this. No, no, you're limiting your God with your small viewpoint of who you are in him. Because it truly, there's responsibility for you to take. Like I said already, you gotta show up and bring your best. But when you bring your best and you honor God, God will do the rest and he'll take you to places you can never go in your own ability. Quit framing your future with your small viewpoint of yourself. You are not a grasshopper. You are a son and daughter of the king. He has already given you every good and perfect gift. You've gotta receive it, own it, and walk in it. You are seated with Christ in heavenly places and he is not done with your life. And if you've been successful by the worldly standards, sometimes it's even hard for you to hear that there's more for you. But I promise you, one step before the next, God will take you to a place you have never been before. If you can get a faith perspective, this is the value of vision in your life. Make God bigger than you. And the people begin weeping. The negative report went too far. And it silenced faith. Caleb tried to get up in verse 30 and silence the people before Moses. And he says this, I love this. We should go at once. The longer we wait, the harder it's going to be. Let's just decide right now we're going over. Let's go swim that Jordan River. Let's go take this land right now. Why not right now? Why not today, he says. He says, we can take possession of the land right now. We can certainly do this. And this is how you defeat your fears. Movement. Make a move. The longer you sit back and just see it the way that you've seen it and hear the negative things in your own self-talk that was said to you before, the longer you sit back and just dip your toe in the water, the harder it is to jump in. And this is why we have to be people of movement in the moment. And that's what faith stirs on the inside of us. The ability says, man, I don't have what it takes in my own ability, but I'm gonna start that company anyway. 
I don't, I, I don't ever see how my family could get out of this situation, but I'm gonna choose to step and do it anyway. I don't know how my marriage could ever prosper again, but I'm gonna choose to forgive and speak words of life anyway. I'm gonna make a move based upon not what I see, but what I believe. I'm gonna have a perspective of God's goodness in my life, and we defeat the fears with movement. And if it's been slow in your life, it's because God's about ready to show off in your life. I think about the story of, of Mary and, and Martha, their, their, their brother Lazarus, some of Jesus' best friends. Jesus seems like he took his time to get to their house. And they, they thought he missed the opportunity. But Jesus didn't come to heal him, he came to raise him from the dead. He didn't come to just do the thing he's already done, he came to do something new. He came to do something, what, that ultimately glorified God on a greater level. John 11, verse 40. Didn't I tell you, Jesus said, that you will see God's glory if you believe. And if you get the faith, you'll begin to see the glory of God. So it's been slow in your life. Your family feels a couple of generations behind or that job opportunity hasn't happened yet when you thought it would on your own timeline. I don't know why God does that, but that's the way he works. And he does that, I think, ultimately, because when he shows up, we thought he was gonna do the thing he did before, which was barely get us through, but he's about ready to raise the dead in that situation in your life. He's about ready to bring some things to life that were out of breath. He's about ready to get some glory for God, and he's gonna use your life as a demonstration of the glory of God. So when we begin to see with faith and step in in the moment, we glorify God on a whole nother level that the world around us could see the magnificent beauty of our God blessing us as we are blessed to be a blessing and bring change as we preach the gospel, as we love our neighbors, as we serve the people around us. If we don't wait back for perfect weather that will never come, but we step in and weather the storm anyway, but we do it through a perspective and vision of faith. Watch and see, God raises the dead. Did I not tell you you would see God's glory if you believe, I'm out of time, real quick, three things. If you wanna value your vision, you gotta do. Give all access to Jesus. Literally every facet of your life, ownership of your Christ, your King, your Lord. Your heart is like a, a house with many rooms in it. There's a living room, there's a family room where you do family life. There's an office or a study where you do work life. There's a garage where you put all your junk in. <laughs> and any area where Jesus doesn't have an open door is gonna be filled with junk or you're gonna be the ruler of that place. And as wise and smart and educated as you might be, you will not do better than Jesus. So any room of your life that Jesus doesn't have access to is a place where fear and anxiety lives because he's the Prince of Peace, so open every door. You might have a nine to five, and when you clock out, you don't wanna think about work, but you gotta glorify God in your work because every part of your life, we cannot live compartmentalized. Jesus gets access to every single area. And your worries and your smallness reveal to you right now areas in your heart that you have not put under Christ's control. Second thing, we're gonna go all in on action. We're not gonna talk about it, we're gonna be about it. We're going all in on action. I say it this way, we're gonna live a baptized life. That we are fully submerged in submission and honor and glory to God. That we're not talking about it anymore, we're gonna be about it. You know, we're 90 days, 90 days from now is February 4th. We're gonna have a Vision Sunday for the year, February 4th. 90 days, seems like, man, that's happening real quick, doesn't it? Can I ask you, I'm gonna give you an invitation. For the next 90 days, you're all in. For the next 90 days, whatever that looks like for you, 
you're all in. That means for some of you, you gotta go to next today because you need to get involved in a church, part of the church family. It's time to quit coming and spectating. It's time to come and be a part of this thing. Whether it's once a month you join us at Lansing or you serve in kids or you open a door or a connect group, you're, you're getting connected. It's tired of saying, oh, I'm lonely in life. No, 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 we have solution here. It's called the family of faith. Go all in now. Maybe it's kingdom come next week. It's the first time you're ever gonna honor God with generosity. We're going all in in this season. If you value the vision, you go all in. Third one, it kind of goes along with the other two. Do everything God asks you to do. What would it look like to do everything God has asked of you? Because obedience unlocks the power of God in your life. In Numbers 14, Joshua said, we saw the land ourselves and it is very good. Here's the key, if we obey the Lord, he will surely give us a land rich with milk and honey. So don't rebel. What's rebel? The opposite of obedience. We get to choose that every single day. Why don't we go ahead and choose? We're gonna do everything God asked of us. That means forgiving someone, we're not gonna rebel, we're gonna forgive anyway. That means honoring him in any area of life, we're gonna go ahead and do it. That, that means serving, surrendering daily, even to people that don't treat me right, I'm gonna do it anyway. Because when I do that, I'm actually honoring God. I'm obeying him. And if we obey, Joshua says, he'll give you that land. And guess who got that land? Joshua and Caleb. Guess who didn't get it? The other 10 spies and the million people that they poisoned with their pessimism and negativity. Be one of the Joshua's and be one of the Caleb's that says if we go do it now and we obey God in every way, he'll give us what everyone else could have got but they missed out on it, but it will still be my lot because I'm going to obey. I go all in on action. I go all in on doing everything God has asked of me. One of the saddest verses in the Bible, Hebrews 3.19. So we see that they were not able to enter in. It's talking about that Old Testament story because of their unbelief. But if we go back to Joshua in Numbers 14, he says, we have no reason to be afraid of the people that live there. Guys, two years ago, we had a reason in a moment to be afraid. The greatest army in the world was after us. And we saw God do a lot of powerful things, but he never destroyed an army. But then we saw him destroy our enemies, much more powerful than the people we're about ready to face. We have no reason to be afraid. The Lord is on our side, and they won't stand a chance against us. We do not battle against flesh and blood. We talked about that last week. But every resistance of the enemy and every plot and assignment sent out to slow you down or to stop you does not stand a chance against your God who is on your side. Only believe and obey and you will see victory in your life. If the people can't see what God is doing, Proverbs 29, they stumble all over themselves. It's time to get up, brush yourself off, and start seeing what God is showing you. But those that attend to what God reveals, they are most blessed. I am speaking to the most blessed people in here. You might not be most blessed right now, but you're on your way to the promised land of most blessed, most blessed in your mind, most blessed in your family, most blessed in your marriage, most blessed in the raising of your kids, most blessed in your career, most blessed in your health. Why, we're attending to, we're visioning, seeing what God is showing us. On the Plaza of North, why don't you stand to your feet? I wanna pray for you. There's value in your vision. Don't give it up cheaply. Don't allow someone else's negativity to stop what God is showing you. Jesus gets everything. We're all in. We're obeying. Watch and see. 
promised land, promised places are on the way for you. Do you believe that? Let me pray. Father God, I thank you for every heart that's here. I thank you for victory. Start showing up in their vision of themselves. They begin to see you bigger than problems. We're going to go ahead and magnify our God, which minimizes every problem and every struggle that we might see in our future. Lord, let us not forget how good you have been to us. For the last two years, you've sustained us, but 2,000 years ago, you saved us. So when we look back, we don't just see all the problems. We see the problem-solving God who is with us today, leading us into our future. So we fix our eyes not on what we can see, but what is unseen, the goodness of God, the grace of God, the majesty of God, the power of God, to not only sustain us, but to strengthen us, to stretch us, and to bless us. I pray blessing and favor. I pray the promised land places become where we put our feet and where we set up shop and where we raise our families. I thank you. Blessing and favor are on the horizon because we believe a problem-solving, giant-slaying, miracle-working, more than enough Jehovah-Jireh God is our source and supply. So heaven invade our lives. Give our perspective. Give us the viewpoint of heaven so that we can see and walk in everything you've designed for us. I declare it and believe it in the name of Jesus. For Kingdom City Church, we're walking in the promised places of heaven. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Why don't we worship him? Come on, why don't we glorify him for a moment?